and welcome back to the Lantec Link Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Must, and I am here to link manufacturing professionals with industry experts. So there's been a lot of buzz going on about the new tax reform bill and what it means for manufacturers. With that said, I have on the show today, Chris Natrum, who is the Vice President of Tax Reform and Domestic Policy at the National Association of Manufacturers. Chris has been on Capitol Hill working with Congress and fighting for manufacturers uh, throughout the whole process of drafting this bill. So we're going to talk to him to see what this bill means, how it's going to bring jobs back on shore, and how it's going to better the economy of manufacturing in the United States. So this is very informational. Definitely a lot of stuff in here that uh, you as a manufacturer would like to hear and see how you guys can leverage the tax reform bill to improve your operations and maybe even expand. So again, very informational. I'm going to go to a short break here. So I suggest getting settled in and stay tuned. We'll be right back with Chris's interview. bonus depreciation that's only applied to something that that's new right something you get a hundred percent right off for something that you're buying right off of the factory line that no one else has ever used before we've reformed that in tax reform to say you'll get a hundred percent and as long as that's new to you even if that piece of property is used you get that that hundred percent uh, deduction Hello and welcome to the Lantech Link podcast, linking manufacturing professionals with industry experts. I'm your host, Kevin Must, and I'm the marketing assistant for Lantech Systems. And today I am joined by Chris Neitrum, the VP of Tax Reform and Domestic Policy at the National Association of Manufacturers. Um, today we're going to talk about you know, what this new tax bill and this reform means for manufacturers in the U.S. So welcome to the Lantech Link podcast. And thanks for taking time to speak with me today, Chris. Thanks, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here to talk about tax reform. I think tax reform is one of the most exciting things in the world. Uh, Hopefully everyone listening to this does as well. Well, I believe so. Uh, You know, that's a good good push for these podcasts, too, is to make things more conversational. Um, You know, get people to listen to them on lunch breaks or traveling and, and stuff like that. So, uh, again, appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to to get this um, this recorded with us. Great. Well, why don't we go ahead and get started? Yeah. So uh, diving in here, if you could just tell you know our listeners a little bit about yourself and about the National Association of Manufacturers, just so they have a better background and understanding of what you guys do and how long you've been with them. Sure. Absolutely. So my name is Chris Netram. I've been with the National Association of Manufacturers for. Oh, about six months now, not, not a whole lot of time, uh, but I, uh, I'm originally from New York, born in the Bronx, grew up in Yonkers, uh, went to high school upstate, uh, but I've been here in Washington, D.C. for, this will be year 18 for me. Wow. I moved down here from school, uh, met my wife in law school, actually, and uh, we, just, we just never left. Uh, my wife got a, got a great job out of law school working for the Treasury Department uh, in 2001, uh, and then I, I followed her into the working world down here as well. Uh, so, but since law school, I, I, I've been a tax reporter. I worked at a large, I was a, a tax lawyer, a JD and an LLM in tax. Uh, 
uh, worked at a large firm here in town, and and after a few years of doing that, uh, I, I I thought it would be fun to do something uh, that lasts a little bit longer than than just a deal, right? Uh, you know, I, I had been in a deal-based practice where you know M and A, you you work on a deal that that it comes, it goes. There's a lifespan to a deal. But I want to do something that could leave a little bit more of a lasting impact, and so I found my way over to Capitol Hill. First went over to the Senate to be tax counsel for Senator Susan Collins from Maine. Uh, did that for a few years with her. Uh, got her really focused on some key small business manufacturing issues, and then moved over to work for Vernon Buchanan from Florida. So he is a Ways and Means member, senior member of the Ways and Means uh, Committee from uh, from the state of Florida. Uh, and again, worked with him on some small business manufacturing issues, and uh, was lucky enough to to be able to have the opportunity to come over here to the NAM just a few months ago. So it's been a really exciting time. I, I, I came on board in August, end of August, and tax reform really got going just a couple weeks later. So it's been nonstop. Yeah, I'm sure uh, coming in, you know, only being here about six months, it's uh, consumed all of your time, I'm sure, <laughs> when you started. It sure has been, but you know what? I, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's been really exciting to be here uh, with, with the NAM. I mean, we have 14,000 members, uh, which means there are 14,000 different things we wanted out of tax reform. <laughs> but, you know, I think uh, when you boil it down, there was only five things we were really looking for. Uh, and we could talk about the substance of it later, but you know, I'll tell you the five things that we're looking for are critical to everyone, not just manufacturers, right? Anyone in the business community. We're looking for lower rates on corporate income, lower rates for for pass through businesses, you know, uh, yeah, robust capital cost recovery provisions, uh, territorial tax system, and preserving incentives for research and development. I mean. Those five things, you put them together, you're creating an economy that's geared for growth and, and that can grow in well into the 21st century. Uh, so, you know, it, it's been a real pleasure to be able to be able to be here and fight for those things and win those battles. It's been, yeah. it's been really great. Yeah, it's a good batting record so far for you. <laughs> One-on-one, you can't go wrong. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, you know, that's always nice to be able to uh, – starting a new position to be able to jump in and, and have all that kind of on your plate to start. I know some people think it may be a little hectic, but uh, for me, and you know, it sounds like for yourself, it's just nice to dive right into things and, and to not have too much time to that you're downtime where you're just kind of sitting there and trying to figure out, okay, what's my next step or um, you know, how, how do I best position myself in this area? Absolutely. I mean, you just want to you, you just want to be able to get it, hit the ground running. I mean, and I, I was able to do that, and I I wouldn't have had it any other way. Uh, but but I got to tell you, I mean, one of the things just backing up about the NAM, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, is is why I came here. Uh, out of all the places in the world we go, I mean, I, I've done a lot of things and could be at a lot of different places. Uh, but the NAM is is really from the top down is really focus broadly, broadly and deeply. And, and by that, I mean, you know, I, I, when I was interviewing for this position with our, I met with our, our president and CEO, Jay Timmons, and we sat there and the first thing he said to me was, hey, look, I, I want you to know I'm not really looking for a tax person. I said, what am I, what am I doing here, <laughs> right? 
tax person. He said, that's not really what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone whose values align with our values. And, you know, those values are, we, we, there are four pillars that as an organization we support. We support free enterprise. We support competitiveness. We support individual liberty. And we support equal opportunity. And if your values align with those and you happen to know tax, you'd be a great fit here. Mm. And that's not something you hear from everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, well, especially with how large of a industry it is, you know, you want to make sure that the right person comes in that is speaking and has the same interests as the majority of, of our industry um, and not just the numbers or, or just the overall budget. So yeah, that's, uh, that's nice though that, you know, from Jay to look for someone like that first and foremost that aligns with us personally um, and then move forward. So, okay. You, you know, your tax obviously set so that, that helps. That's kind of like a kicker. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy so, seeing everything that comes out from the NOM too. I get their newsletter daily and the economic briefings and, and all that weekly. So it's uh, definitely a lot of content you guys produce and very valuable for the manufacturers. Well, that's great. We appreciate that. I mean, our, our, our staff works hard uh, and we really believe in what we're doing here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you're, you're back in the manufacturers, uh, you know, very nicely and, Definitely a, a good organization to, to align with and have at your back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, 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 one of the things that, that you'd asked is, uh, is a little bit about my background. I just wanted to, to hit one more thing on that. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, so in my, in my time doing tax over the last 18 or so years, um, one thing has been consistent throughout that, and and that's always been the need for tax reform, right? And that predates me. It's been 31 years. It had been 31 years since we reformed our tax code. I mean, you think about it. When we reformed the tax code in 1986, Walkmans were brand new, right? <laughs> that was high tech back then. And the laser uh, just came out, I believe. Exactly. <laughs> So, you know, it, it, it really, it, we've been long overdue to get this done, and I'm glad that that we're able to be here, get it, and actually push for pro-growth, pro-manufacturing policies right in the thick of the action. Yeah. Yeah, especially with all the outsourcing we've seen in the past, you know, decades or so, um, and bringing stuff more back on shore, uh, given the new technologies that people are able to implement, and, you know, just the, the labor force, um, you know, we're definitely needing some more workers in it, but, uh, we've got some more people that I feel are more passionate about automating things and bringing our manufacturing back to, uh, the state side. So that definitely helps having our tax reform and, and yourself and the NOM on Capitol Hill fighting for manufacturers. Yeah. And you know, you, you hit a key point there. I know you and I were chatting a little bit before we started here about, uh, manufacturing and how it's changed over the centuries and, and, and where it's going. Um, and, and that workforce piece is a key part of that. I, I mean, so manufacturing is no longer dark, dirty, and dangerous, right? This is, we're in a new era of manufacturing where what it is to be a manufacturing worker and the skills that you need are changing. I mean, this, this is a really critical time in our, in our workforce development. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. There's a, we could talk for hours on the skills gap for sure. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, a planned episode actually coming up here in a couple of weeks. So um, interested to dive in and, and get some, some information on that as well. 
Um, like you said, I mean, it's not the dark, dingy manufacturing plants anymore. There's not oil dripping from the ceiling or stuff like that. It's, um, you know, more of a solutions base and oriented where you got, you know, problem solving and not so much tedious tasks throughout the day. Absolutely. Right, so that's, that's, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that that wraps up the uh, the intro here. Um, if you have anything else you'd like to add about yourself or the National Association of Manufacturers before we dive into this uh, this tax reform bill, feel free to right now. Well, let's get to the meat of it. Let's get All to right. tax reform. I know you're you're biting, <laughs> chomping at the bit for it, um, as am I. You know, I'm very curious. I've you know I've been doing my best to research on it and, and keep up with what's going on. Um, it's just, there's, there's obviously, as you know, a, a lot of information out there with it, um, regarding benefits and advantages for manufacturers. So, um, to that point, you know, what, what do you feel or what do you see as the biggest advantage of this new tax reform for the manufacturers? So I think the biggest advantage is that it creates a more competitive system for manufacturers at home and abroad. So I mentioned those five things earlier that we had set out to achieve, and we largely achieved them all. So that's uh, lower rates on business income for both corporations and, and pass-through entities, incentives for capital equipment purchases, the adoption of a territorial tax system that would put us on equal footing uh, with other countries in the world, and the retention of the R&D tax credit so that we could continue to, to innovate. Uh, and so when you have a tax reform package that has all of those elements, you really are setting yourself up for success in the, in the long term. You, you're reducing the tax burden on businesses while at the same time giving them an incentive to, to invest in themselves, to buy more property, plant, and equipment so they can grow and expand, which means more hiring, uh, and at the same time, giving them an incentive to, to invest in research and development, allowing them to innovate and continue our, our, our economic path on this trajectory that we've seen of increasing innovation throughout the 21st century. So, you know, you put all those together, those are, those, that's a system that has huge advantages for manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, so kind of, you know, speaking to what you said about the incentives as far as investing more in R&D, their people and or equipment. Um, so with that, I read some, some stuff about Section 179 of the tax code and, and how there's been, looks like a higher threshold for write-offs for equipment purchasing and things of that nature. Um, has, has that been reformed with this tax bill or is that something that's been in place for the past few years? So section 179, the level, uh, so the way it works is section 179 is, is tailored to small businesses. So if you are a small manufacturer, <coughs> excuse me, we'll allow you to immediately write off the, the the cost of purchasing a piece of equipment uh, up to a certain threshold. And uh, the total benefit that you would have gotten before tax reform was $500,000. We've now doubled that to a million dollars a day, to a million dollars of equipment. But but that's only part of the story. So section 179, eh, 179 by itself is part of the story, but you also have to couple that with full expensing. So bonus depreciation, which is uh, uh, a similar concept, conceptually similar, but not limited to small businesses. So any business can use uh, bonus depreciation. And the level at which bonus depreciation ha had been in place uh, has fl 
fluctuated over the years. At one point, it was 50%. You could write off half, half the uh, cost of an asset in the first year. But what we did in this tax reform bill is we give you a 100% write-off in the year that you purchase a piece of equipment. That's wow. 100%. So you can buy a billion-dollar piece of equipment. You will get a billion-dollar deduction in that year. Uh, and that that is massive. That's, yeah. That is a huge, huge, that'll have a huge stimulative effect uh, on the economy. Mm. Uh, and beyond that, uh, you know, one of the tweaks to bonus depreciation that, that's gone underreported, but which I, which I think is pretty significant, is uh, in, in prior iterations of bonus depreciation, that's only applied to something that, that's new, right? Mm. Something yeah. you get 100% right off for something that you're buying right off of the factory line that no one else has ever used before. We've reformed that in tax reform to say you'll get 100%, and as long as that's new to you, even if that piece of property is used, if it's new to you, you get that. You get that 100% uh, deduction right there. Wow. Uh, so it runs the types of assets that, or the class of assets that you can uh, you can uh, use 100% expensing on. Yeah, so that that is that's, that's really a huge benefit. Nice. Yeah. Especially given, you know, um, potentially not what, having the cash flow in the beginning part of the year, just whenever to purchase a brand new piece of equipment to be able to have the option to write off a new to you piece uh, for cash flow purposes is great. Absolutely. And, and that'll, that'll benefit everybody. I mean, uh, that is going to, that, uh, now the, the one downside with that is, is, for scoring purposes. So the way that this bill came about, they have to meet, a, a budget number, right? They couldn't go beyond $1.5 trillion uh, in, in revenue loss. Uh, so in order to meet the score, they had to make this 100% bonus depreciation temporary. So it's in place for five years. Uh, the hope is that it, it, it's one of those items that will get made permanent. That's the hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because uh, some of the economists that I've talked to if that bonus provision is made permanent, it will substantially increase the economic growth effects that you'll see out of this tax reform bill. Yeah. So it it is it's a it's a really big deal. Yeah, that's that's uh, five years is a nice uh, temporary time, if if you will, um, to be able to you know get some good metrics off of it and moving forward. See, all right, this is really stimulating our economy, and you know we should keep moving forward with this. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you know, permanent is always better. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so then, you know, you had said, you had mentioned with the uh, section 179 about how that's more tailored to small business. How, how do they consider a manufacturer as being small, medium or large? Is it based off revenues or, or people or, you know, how do you guys determine that? So for for 179 specifically, uh, it, it's based on the the, uh, the dollar value of purchases that you're making over the course of the year of these equipment purchases. So that they actually bumped up that that threshold level. Uh, I believe it, it's gone. I'll have to go back and check it, but they they, they essentially doubled the the number of purchases or the dollar value of purchases you could you could make. Without losing the benefit of 179 expensing, um, but you know one of the key things that this bill has done for small manufacturers is changing the way that uh, pass-throughs are taxed. So mm-hmm. you, know, you know we all know corporations, but 
pass-throughs, there's actually substantially more pass-throughs in the world on a pure number basis than there are corporations. And in fact, most small businesses leave over 93% or so are, are structured as pass-throughs. So oh, wow. when you talk about manufacturers, you're, you're talking about pass-throughs and, and how they're taxed. And traditionally, for decades, the way a pass-through would work is that the business income, you know, you earn a dollar of income in your business, it would pass through directly to the business owners. So, you know, if your widget business made a dollar, you would would be deemed to make a dollar and you'd pay tax at your rate. So, you know, when we had a, a, a top individual tax rate of 39.6%, that's federal only. You add in state taxes, Obamacare taxes, and, and on and on and on, you're talking about tax rates over 50% in some states. Um, that, that that adds up quickly. Um, very quickly. <laughs> very, very quickly. Now, what this bill does is, is it changes that a little bit. Yes, the dollar of income is still going to get passed through, or actually, I should say, some amount of income is still going to get passed through. It will be taxed at a lower top rate because we've dropped the top individual rate from 39.6 to 37%. So, you know, you get, you get that benefit right away. But the real juice, the real kicker here is a new deduction that they have. So if you are a pass-through business, uh, you can deduct up to 20% of your business income. So instead of being taxed on a dollar, you're only taxed on 80 cents. Wow. And that, that's a big benefit for, for, for small businesses. Um, yeah, and, and they put some guardrails around it to make it more difficult for larger businesses to claim that, you know, specifically worried about places like uh, uh, law firms and, and hedge funds and financial services firms like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but those guardrails are actually pro-manufacturing guardrails. So, you know, if you, if you have employees and you have capital equipment, you are going to get the full benefit of that deduction. That's the intent of the provision. So, mm -hmm. you know, this, this is a pro-manufacturing provision in this bill. Very nice. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, like I said, everything that came out and obviously I'm seeing reading most of it coming from uh, the national association of manufacturers. So, uh, you know, I, aside from that hearing, it's very pro manufacturing, but uh, you know, definitely just hearing more about it and more in depth from yourself. It's uh, very, very good times and uh, very exciting for the, the American manufacturer to be able to invest more in their operations, their people and uh, research and development moving forward. It, it is it is a good time. It, it is very exciting, but you know we, we can't we can't just rest on that. You know yeah. we can't be content with that. But this is keep in mind that you know, there is a saying that no tax cut is ever permanent. <laughs> that is uh, you know that that's true here. As you as you start looking down the road, uh, you know that there is a real risk that uh, even though these tax cuts move the U.S. at least on the corporate side from the back of the pack among developed countries to just around the middle of the pack or so in the rate. I mean, we haven't, we haven't become the lowest rate country in the world by any stretch of the imagination. We're just kind of average, yeah. uh, which is still a big improvement for us. But even there, there are some that think, Hey, that that's too much of a giveaway. Just making us average is too much of a giveaway. We should really jack those rates back up so that there is, there is a push out there in, in, in some parts of the country to actually make us less competitive again. Now, it's not framed that way, but that is the effect of, of, of the push there. 
Uh, so we need to be on guard on that. And, and part of that, part of the uh, of the pushback against that is is incumbent on manufacturers to tell the story of the good things that the that tax reform has done. What are we doing, right? So yeah. we said that that we would invest in new equipment, that we would hire more employees, that we would raise wages and benefits. Well, it's time for us to to put it up, right? We've, we've yeah. got to tell the world that's what we're doing. You know, there are good things coming out of this. So that that's part of our challenge right now. That, that's part of what the manufacturers have to be doing right now. And we have to, we can't, that can't just be a one-time thing. We have to be able to tell that story consistently year over year. Mm -hmm. So then kind of speaking to that, um, you know, how do you feel or, you know, what do you think the best measures would be for manufacturers to take on these new tax cuts uh, specifically the corporate rates, uh, as far as proving that, you know, this tax reform is really helping our, our our manufacturing economy. Would it be focusing on, you know, the operations and new machines, research and development, or uh, the employment staff? I think it's all of the above, right? So, so I think if we can tell a story that we're hiring more people, that we're increasing wages and benefits, that we're buying new equipment, that we're bringing cash home that we left abroad, uh, you know, that we're we're investing in our communities, that we're making charitable contributions, donations. I mean, that's a good story. And in fact, our members are doing that. <laughs> you know, we just need to be out there saying it. It's it's great to do it, and I, I'm proud of our guys for doing that. But we need to be out there saying that publicly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was nice seeing. Um, President Trump calling out and, you know, making notice to uh, stop manufacturing during his State of the Union address. They're actually right up the street from us, too. So that was really neat uh, to have somebody local to us, um, you know, be put in the spotlight like that and how they've improved their operations um, just this quickly, um, you know, and, and moving forward. It's only going to continue to be better from there. Yeah, and it, you know, with Steve's story, I mean, that is that is a phenomenal story, and it shows not just how good this tax reform has been for his business; it's how good it's been for his employees and his community. I mean, you know, he, he had his employee buy his first house. That's amazing. Yeah. That yeah. that's yeah. A, that's a great story. Yeah, yeah, very. Uh, it was you know very heartwarming story, and uh, very very cool to see that. Um, you know, something. That has happened, and it's happened this quickly, especially uh, to be able to impact people's lives like that in our economy. And you know what? It's great for it to actually be recognized at the State of the Union. I mean, let's yes, not true. just go. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely is. Um, so then, you know, uh, what would you say? Um, starting out, I know that we kind of spoke about you know leveraging this corporate tax. How, how would you say manufacturers could leverage it to improve their facilities or operations? Uh, maybe not quickly, but in a timeline to where, you know, they can spell out, okay, over the course of the next three years, uh, we want to get to this point as far as automation goes or just technologically. Um, is there, you know, a best practice that you can think of to let's start with um, research and development or let's start with, machine investments or people investments to keep that ball rolling? 
Well, look, I mean, manufacturing is, is such a diverse industry. Uh, we have high-tech manufacturing. Well, all manufacturing is high-tech manufacturing these days. Uh, but, but you know, what what a, a machine tooling company needs versus what a software production company needs uh, are, are going to be totally different. So it's hard to say that there is one key investment that goes across all manufacturers. I, I think you have to look at the total package, right? And I keep going back to this, but it, it is that that capital investment, right? Every business owner knows themselves what's going to be the, the the thing that drives their business forward. It, it's what's that new piece of, uh, of equipment? What is that new piece of machinery? What's that new piece of software? I mean, they know what that is, and you know, I, I think that's a key place to look uh, on where to invest. But you did hit on, on, on one thing in here that I want to touch on is, is kind of the timing. Uh, this this is a, a big bill, and there's a lot of moving pieces to it, and it's going to take some time for manufacturers to work through it and see how they're impacted by it. But, you know, determine the extent of the benefit, where that benefit is, you know, if they need to restructure their operations, you know, all that's going to take a little bit of time. So I think you're right that, that – you know, folks should start planning for the future, and that starts with figuring out how they're going to be affected by this bill. Yeah, so is there anything within uh, these provisions or reform that um, kind of promotes the use of consultation maybe for manufacturers to be able to reach out to uh, some consulting service to really, you know, bust open the books and see kind of what they can improve upon and start investing money in? Uh, in the near future and as opposed to the distant future for them? Yeah, I, I don't know if there's anything in the tax bill specifically that, that would encourage folks to go to, to their consultants. Um, I, I, uh, and I don't, I don't know that that's, uh, that's a role the federal government should be playing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's going to be up to each business owner to figure out what, what the best path forward is for them. Yeah, definitely. That's not something we want Washington telling you how to do. Well, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, you know, I want that third party second set of eyes taking a look at your business. You know, I, I've been seeing a lot of stuff with some proposed tariffs and, and all of that. Um, you know, how, how would you say we're going to see the, the effect on the manufacturing economy for America with some of these proposed tariffs? Look, we, we live in a global economy, and, and what we make here in the U.S. goes all over the world. And, in fact, we need we need raw materials, we need goods from all over the world to make stuff here in the U.S. I mean, we're, we're all interconnected, uh, uh, so much more so than we were just a few decades ago. Uh, anything that impacts trade is going to have a, an impact on manufacturing. Uh, so, you know, it, it's hard to talk about that in a vacuum. Uh, just, you know, we the whole goal of the tax reform bill was to make sure that that we stayed competitive, we became more competitive, and America became the best place in the world to, or remain the best place in the world uh, to start and grow a business. And I, I think we should keep that goal in mind with all policies that that, that we're looking at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that seems to be the biggest focus now uh, with the current administration is, you know, stay focused on on the U.S. and uh, building ourselves back up. I know it doesn't sound like there is any, um, and not much that I've read, if any, myself, but would you say that there's any disadvantage to the new tax reform for manufacturers? 
Well, you know, I don't know if you'd, you'd call it a disadvantage. Uh, there, there are some challenges. Um, you know, oh, you know, I wish that that pass-through provision that I talked about. I wish it was a little bit more generous. Mm -hmm. You know, a twenty percent deduction. I wish it was something a little bit more than that. Uh, you know, in, in a perfect world, uh, all business income would be taxed at the same rate, whether or not you're in a corporate form or a pass-through form. But this is this is not a perfect world. So, you know, that could always be a little bit better. Uh, I think helping our small manufacturers is critically important, and we should be doing all we can there. Yeah. Uh, other challenges in there uh, is we have some things in there that that are temporary. So, you know, full expensing is temporary. Uh, we have a, 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 a new limitation on interest deductibility, which while it's favorable to manufacturers, well, it's favorable as it can be right now, it becomes a lot less favorable in five years. Uh, same thing uh, there on some, some research and uh, research and development expensing, uh, separate and apart from the, uh, from the credit that becomes less favorable in a few years too. And so those are challenges. Those are challenges that were largely driven by that budget uh, component that I talked about earlier. Uh, and so there are things that we need to work to reverse or to make sure that they don't actually go into effect so that we keep the, the, the pro-growth elements of this tax reform in place. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and, and just thinking the long term, you know, trying to keep it, keep this uh, momentum moving for us moving forward. Yeah. And honestly, the, the biggest challenge is, is inertia. Uh, you know, I, I said at one point, it's been 31 years since we reformed our tax code. Yeah. We can't let that happen again. Right. No, no, no we got to keep I mean, it moving. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we, we moved from the back to the middle of the pack, but guess what? That pack is going to keep moving. We're going to be at the back again before you know it. So we've got to we've got to make sure that we don't let decades go again before we re-examine how competitive our tax code is. In fact, we we've called for Congress and you know the the administration to look at the tax code every three years, I at least see where we are and what how we can be more competitive. Yeah, I mean, I was always taught as a young kid, just you know, you don't need to be fast, just don't be the slowest one in the group, otherwise the bear will eat you. <laughs> that's so right. Just, just hey, that's right. <laughs> um, okay. So is there anything in particular um, that you wish you, you know, we could have received or has would have been included in this new tax reform or did we pretty much, uh, did you pretty much get what you were fighting for and everything? You know, we got, we got what we were fighting for. I, I'm pretty happy with it. Like I said, I wish some of it was a little bit more generous and, and, and as well. But really, when you look at what we set out to do, we got all the things that, that we set out to do. We reduced the rates on business. We dropped the tax burden on both corporations and small businesses. We moved to a territorial system to make us more competitive globally. We got to full expensing. Uh, we retained the R&D tax credit. And there were some hiccups along the way, some really onerous things that, that had come into play. And in fact, you know, I give you an example in, in the Senate, literally the dead of night, two in the morning, the last vote they took in the Senate was to include a, a provision that would have essentially killed the R&D tax credit. Uh, it just removed all incentives for, for investing in research and development. We were able to get that killed. We were able to get that out of the final package. So 
you know, not only did we set out to, not only did we get all the things we set out to do, we stopped a lot of bad things along the way too. Yeah, that's, so that's a that's pretty a good, good one to stop. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, in this era, I need to invest in the research and development side of things with automation and just everything moving forward technologically wise. That's right. You know, who knows what our economy is going to look like in, you know, 100 years, 10 years, 50 years. I, but I, I know it's going to be largely driven by innovation. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so that's um, that pretty much wraps up all the questions I had for you, Chris. Do you, is there anything else that uh, we didn't touch on or that you'd like to add here at the end? So the, the only thing I wanted to add is just to reiterate how important manufacturing is to the economy. If we... We represent a huge part of the economy nationally and in the communities in which manufacturers operate. We actually are, 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 are pillars of the community, especially for our smaller manufacturers. And we talked about Steve Staub earlier. That's a great story. And those kinds of stories we see replicated all around the country every single day in this industry. It's why it's such a privilege to work for manufacturers and to make sure that they continue to grow and thrive. Yeah, I agree. It's always nice, you know, and I, I know that's not the only story that's out there for the small, smaller size manufacturer, but, um, you know, that was just, just happened to be one of many that, you know, has been brought into the limelight and, uh, that, you know, we were able to see be improved upon with, uh, you know, these new reforms and everything. Great. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here with you. TechLink podcast helps link manufacturing professionals with industry experts, providing news and insights regarding technology, education, and the economy of manufacturing in the U.S. This podcast will answer questions manufacturing professionals may have about Industry 4.0. If you would like to suggest a topic or be a guest on our show, please email Kevin Must at k.must at lantechsms.com. 